Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. When my babies grow up and I see how God uses them to spread the gospel, I can only imagine right now how much joy and peace and calm that I will feel knowing that they are friends with the creator of this world and doing his will. Advice and little and words are important, but our actions are just as important, if not more important. As Sister Morgan said, little eyes and ears are always watching you. And I don't care if you're a parent, if you're in this church, the, the children of this church watch and listen to you. Gathered together, if his presence wasn't here, I'm sorry, but y'all wouldn't be enough. Y'all would be enough. We could text each other. We could call each other. We might be able to FaceTime one another. But when we get together, I'm so thankful that you're here. But his presence makes the difference for, with our gathering. His presence comes in and completely changes the atmosphere. Amen, amen. He is in the audience this morning, and we are on the stage. We are here to entertain his presence and his presence alone. Amen, amen. You may be seated for just a moment. And again, happy Mother's Day to all of our uh, mothers and uh, mother-like figures out there. Some of y'all are just doing incredible things. I honor my mom today. I wish she could be here. She tunes in online from time to time, catches up on services and things like that. But I want to say happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day to her. Happy Mother's Day to our first lady, Sister Rice, and my mother-in-law also. Amen. That's all right. She deserves celebrated. You're going to embarrass her. <laughs> amen, amen. We're delighted to have each and every one of you here. Thank you for coming out and uh, visiting Landmark uh, and, and celebrating not only Mother's Day, but celebrating our God this morning. Amen. And I see so many faces that I have not seen before. Can we make our visitors feel welcome this morning? Amen. I say visitors, I really mean guests. We hope you feel like a guest this morning. Amen. I hope you feel the love from each and every one of our church members, but I hope you feel the love of God and experience Him this morning. Amen. Uh, This being Mother's Day, uh, we are going to give this pulpit over to uh, two incredible ladies. I'm going to introduce the first one for you today. Uh, Sister Morgan Pacheco, no stranger to this church. And if you know Morgan, uh, you know what a delight, what a joy she is to be around. Just a, uh, just a, a ball of light, energy, fun, all that stuff. I was thinking this morning, you know, Morgan. I was Morgan's youth pastor, and uh, and I'm not that much older than her. Some were like, "Man, he's really old." No, I'm not. Uh, it's nothing, you know, and so whenever you have, uh, church members in your, in your youth group, one of your students that are close to age, you tend to, uh, this, the friendship 
sorts to uh, bond. It's like who you hang around. You know, it's I love all of the kids that were in the group, but you know, sometimes an 11 year old doesn't really relate the same as a 17, 18 year old. And so there was a friendship that was formed years ago, uh, and it's a lifelong friendship, in my opinion. Uh, I. I honor Morgan this morning. What an incredible mom she is. What an incredible wife she is. And I'm excited uh, to have her come this morning and to share with you what the Lord has laid upon our heart. Amen. So why don't you put your hands together and welcome somebody that you know very well to this service, Sister Morgan Pacheco. And our Sunday school classes are dismissed at this time. The Lord bless you. Good morning. Um, today I've titled my short little message, Behind the Man, which seems kind of odd. It's Mother's Day. And mothers aren't men, but you know, <laughs> I think you'll understand once I start getting into it. <laughs> um, today, first of all, I want to thank all our mothers, grandmothers, and mother figures. We literally would not be here without you. Me and Christian must have talked because you said the exact same thing. <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, we all needed a mom to be here. And of course, that doesn't exclude the great men and women of the Bible either. We are all sitting on these pews and watching at home because of a woman who took nine months out of her life to nurture us in her womb. I'm sure you have heard the phrase, behind every successful man is a strong woman, but I want to change one word in that phrase, and I would like to change it to say, behind every successful man is a strong mother. That is definitely, definitely the phrase I would use to describe Timothy. Timothy was a student of Paul who then became a trusted partner to Paul. Eventually, he became a leader in the church of Ephesus, too. He was very successful in preaching and teaching and directing people in the way that they should go. He was also so rooted in the faith that in Acts 1.18, it talks about him dealing with conflicts involving the opponents of the gospel. He not only taught the gospel, but he was able to defend it. The seed that was planted was deep and it was rooted and the knowledge and love for truth just continued to grow. Timothy's mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. He knew the customs and the traditions of the Jewish people, but also had some connection to the Gentiles, in whom later he would be ministering to. He had great knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures too. Timothy was the perfect man to help Paul and Silas bring the gospel and be a witness for Jesus. In Acts 16.5, it says, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Timothy, along with Paul and Silas, were the people who were establishing the churches, making them stronger in their faith. But how, how in the world did the small seed 
of faith become planted so deep in Timothy? And where did the knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures come from? Someone planted those seeds and took the time to teach them to him. Not many women are acknowledged in the Bible concerning the men that spread the gospel. The Bible doesn't mention any woman that helped Paul become who he was. The Bible doesn't mention any woman that helped Paul, um, Silas, who taught Silas what he needed to know about the Jewish scriptures. But the Bible does talk about who taught and directed Timothy in the ways he should go. Paul himself tells us who, 2 Timothy 1.5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, and how from infancy, from a baby, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm sure like me, Eunice was tired and cranky sometimes. <laughs> she was tired of cooking, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and hearing her kids complain because they like what dad fixes better. <laughs> <laughs> and then just giving Timothy and his siblings a glare and then be like, okay, mom's not playing. We got to like, you know, <laughs> um, I'm sure there were times that at the end of the day, Eunice was so exhausted from cooking, cleaning, refereeing all day that once her head hit the pillow, she was out. The Bible doesn't tell us those things about Eunice, but what the Bible does tell us is that she taught Timothy the scriptures and they were known to him. The dictionary tells us to know something means to have it established, fixed in the mind or memory. Yes. Eunice taught Timothy all the scriptures so that if the Messiah came, Timothy would know him without a doubt. She instilled in him a faith and a love for truth, which is evident later on in scripture by him being able to defend the gospel. We even know that by the meaning of Timothy's name, which means honoring God, his mother, even right after he was born, wanted to exalt God and put God first in everything she did, including the birth of her son. I read an article that stated that 70% of teens leave the Christian faith, the faith that their parents followed. They choose to walk away from the truth. Teens and kids today face a lot more than teens and kids faced 20 years ago. With the world of social media here and online everything. I am raising my babies in a world that is completely different than the world I was raised in. Today, more than ever, we have to instill in our babies God's word. We have to fervently teach them his truth so it is known to them and it is established and fixed in their minds. There is so much that looks fun and exciting out in this world. You don't have to be an adult to see that. 
That's why it's even more crucial to start putting God first in our own lives as mothers and grandmothers and women in general. Once he is first there, then it will just be automatic to share his love, his grace, and his mercy with our children and the children around us. If he is number one for me, my children will see me putting him first and then follow. As women and and mothers, we have so many things that can occupy our time. Cooking, cleaning, errands, laundry, work, and self-care, our time. In today's world, you can see everywhere about self-care. Women um, need time away to refresh, refuel. Time away is good, and it is definitely needed, but I think the emphasis on it is way overdone. Time away is good. Um, instead of thinking all the time about when our break is going to be away from the family, away from work, away from the kids, we could be using that time to teach, to make known to them. I have caught myself so many times on a never-ending hamster wheel of things that need completed, chores that need accomplished, that I forget that God called me to witness and disciple to my children. Children want to learn, and they are eager to learn. And if we don't make time for them to learn the ways of God from us, then they will maybe um, learn part of God's ways from someone else, or maybe they will try a different way altogether. God, help me to slow down. Let the laundry sit for a little longer and the cleaning wait till tomorrow. Someday my babies won't be here to disciple. They will be off possibly ministering to someone overseas as a missionary or starting a home missions church in a big city or even being a Sunday school teacher, teaching and discipling kids here at home. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. It doesn't just say, mention God's word here and there or let the Sunday school teachers handle the Bible stories. No, it says, train up. When you train for something, you spend time on it, doing it multiple times a week and sometimes multiple times a day, making time for that event or that hobby because it's priority. Our baby should be our priority. Some of our baby's future success Impossible failures are on us. We know this life won't ever be perfect, but we can save some heartache for them if we take the time now. I love a clean house, and it makes me feel calm and peaceful. It makes me feel good. But above just a clean house, when my babies grow up and I see how God uses them to spread the gospel, I can only imagine right now how much joy and peace and calm that I will feel knowing that they are friends with the creator of this world and doing his will. (laughs) 
let those small, precious little moments play out where you can teach your kids that you are not perfect and that you make mistakes and tell them how you can work better at it and you're going to try to do it better next time. Take those small moments and turn them into big moments that make them want to dig deeper with the creator of the universe. I'm sure Timothy saw Eunice and Lois get annoyed and maybe say something they shouldn't have or act out in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. We have all been there. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, but God, please help me to immediately recognize those moments and make those moments a teachable moment for my kids. Help me to use my failures and triumphs to glorify you. Help me to teach my kids that even in hard, scary, and uncertain times that you are the stillness and the calm that we need. Not more time by ourselves or time away. Not another fully picked up house or folded load of laundry. Not the next nap time or quiet time. But we need more time in your word so that we can better nurture and instill and establish your word into these beautiful future missionaries, Sunday school teachers, church planners, future respected elders of the church. So beautiful women of this church and anyone hearing this message, let us remember and actually see those moments and make the time for what's really important because that precious little baby that you're feeding Cheerios in the high chair this morning or the teenager trying to figure out college plans could possibly be the person that changes hundreds of lives one day and defends the Bible and is a strong, active witness for Jesus. Let us be mothers and grandmothers like Lois and Eunice teaching and making God's word top priority. Let us make sure that we know Jesus as our savior and our friend, that he is established deep in our hearts so that we can properly teach our babies who he really is. He's not just a character that you read about in a story or some man that lived long ago. He is the creator of everything, including me and you, and longs to know your babies just like he longs to know each one of us. But let us be the women who plant the seeds that one day will grow into a big, strong tree. Roots planted firmly in the ground and with an unchangeable amount of faith. I'll never forget the first time I ever met Morgan Upschulte back then. She came through that back door over there and did a cartwheel. She was a few years younger than she is now, although she might still be able to do a cartwheel. I'm not so sure. I appreciate what she had to say today, don't you? Amen. What a beautiful, our future is bright. When you have, this, this is one of the success stories to watch a child walk through the door 
and to serve the Lord and to teach them the ways of the Lord and to let them mature in God's ways. And then eventually we step aside and the next generation steps into our place. And when I see things like what I've seen today, it makes me feel very confident that God is going to do a great work and he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us, but we have the next generation that is coming up because they have been taught. They have been trained. Amen. Sometimes life is a grind, isn't it? I remember, you know, raising three kids in a little mobile home, two bedrooms, and, you know, I had the best wife and fantastic mother that, that there ever could be that I get to call my wife. But I do also remember times when it was, it just seemed like Groundhog Day. You know, you get up over and over and over again and the same thing off to work. I went and she would take care of not only our kids, but she babysat to help out with our finances back in the days when we hit pretty light. And uh, I just remember all of those days but you know what each day is another opportunity each day she would she would teach our children our children know a lot of scripture because she would instill that into them let's say our scripture verses now our grandchildren are they know a lot of scripture they can quote a lot of scriptures because she will sometimes with them rolling their eyes okay it's time okay well, let's do this get this over with but you know what that's part of training training doesn't always have to be pleasant Sometimes training seems a bit routine, but what we instill in our children, I am so grateful today for the godly mothers that call Landmark their home. I'm thankful for my wife. What a great mother she is, a praying woman. I've told the story many times for those of you that have been here already, so allow me to tell it for those of you that maybe haven't heard it. One night in the middle of the night, I woke up and saw a shadow going across our wall. We lived out in the country. I slipped out of bed and grabbed the pistol to be the man of the house. <laughs> I began to work my way out of the bedroom and down the hallway to where it opened up into a dining room, kitchen, a living room, all just one great, great room. And we had a light switch right there in the hallway. And I had the, I had the gun cocked and ready to go. When I flipped that switch on, the only thing that was there was my wife kneeling down at the couch praying. <laughs> and I jokingly told her, I said, well, I, if I'd have shot you, at least you'd have been ready to go. <laughs> if you're going to go, go out praying, right? <laughs> you know, we, we laugh about that, but that says a lot about who she is as a woman and who she is as your first lady, who she is as my wife. And I never even thought to reach over and say, babe, somebody's in the house, you know. Uh, I, I, she was gone. She'd slipped out and I just happened to see the shadow. Thank God I didn't shoot her and we're still able to be here today. I'd feel really bad if I'd have shot you really bad. Amen. Our next speaker today, uh, she has earned this right. She really has a role that very few women ever have. And that's birthing four boys at the same time. Quadruplets. <laughs> And uh, we've known the Graham family. I've known uh, Eric uh, my entire life. His older brother David and I were great friends. Eric and I have become great friends through the years, spent a lot of time over there. Our parents were great friends. And so when Eric and Susan got married, you know, we we were part of that. And when they got, uh, she 
was having trouble getting pregnant. We, we kind of were there for all that, just understanding the story, not right on top of things, but, but we knew what was going on. And then finally she came up pregnant and the big announcement went out and then all of a sudden it's four boys. <laughs> so if anybody has a right to stand behind this pulpit today and talk about motherhood, it's this next lady that I bring to you today. I'm asking Sister Susan Graham if she would come. Amen. God bless her. Well, thank you, Brother Rice. I could tell you a lot of stories today, but um, I think we want to get out before then. But so happy Mother's Day to everyone, um, to all the moms and anyone who has served as a mother to someone. Sister Morgan, you did an amazing job, and I think we deserve to give her another round of applause. So proud of you. <laughs> and thank you, Brother Rice, for trusting me with this microphone, and I promise I'll try to have some sort of spiritual tie to my comments today. Um, but I also want to honor our First Lady and Mother of our church, Sister Rice. We love you. I love you dearly, and I appreciate you. Let's give her a standing ovation this morning. I can do it because she's not my mother-in-law. <laughs> Thank you all. I can get by with that because she's not my mother-in-law, so. <laughs> I'm also thankful this morning that Eric is not in here. He is teaching your children, so he can't make faces at me or put his head down when I embarrass him. He will only know it when he watches the live stream back. I am thankful today for the crew that God gave me for the adventure of motherhood. And Sister Morgan, when you talked about children, I'm standing here probably two generations later from where you are. And it is true. Take the time because you blink and they are 26 years old. I haven't heard from any of mine yet this morning because they're spread out over all different time zones from coast to coast. But thanks to Find My iPhone, Nolan, I hope you don't watch this, we know that Nolan was at church at 6 a.m. this morning to prepare for their service. So I have a lot to be thankful for. However, we may be a little jealous of those of you with grandchildren, and we may have just threatened our kids. If they can't figure this out by the time they're 30, we're going to start working on arranged marriages. <laughs> we had that discussion with Jordan just last weekend. <laughs> so now for my scripture, I want to read just one single scripture this morning, Proverbs 31.1, and don't jump to the conclusion that you know what I'm going to talk about, because you all should know me better than that. The scripture simply says, and Cody, I don't know if you can go ahead and put it up for me, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. This morning, I want to hopefully inspire you in some way on this Mother's Day with a thought I've titled, Listen to Your Mother. So I hate to disappoint you if you expected me to stand here and share stories of you with, about my kids. Um, there's a YouTube video out there you can watch to hear our horse, whole story, and Brother Rice is correct. I feel for those of you that may not be a mother but want to be a mother, because I did go down that journey of infertility treatment, and I was blessed, though, that nine months in, God saw fit to bless us with children. So I am going to share a few stories, though, along the way. But each of us had a different path, a different pathway that's made you who you are, a different pathway that took you to motherhood, maybe unexpected motherhood at times. 
but it made us who we truly are today, and each one of us are completely different. So listen to your mother. I did ask my kids for input for what I'm going to share with you, and I even asked both my sisters. My mom is on our text message. Made an interesting conversation at dinner last night. I love you, Mom. Um, so why did I stop with just the first verse of Proverbs? When I was trying to figure out what God really wanted me to share with you today, and I actually told Sister Morgan, we were comparing notes to make sure we didn't come up here with the same thought, but I told her that I usually stay away from Proverbs 31, and I'm going to be very honest and transparent here, that I don't always feel like I'm that woman. It's a lot of stress. It's too much stress for me to be that good, and I always don't feel like I have my life put together. But then Brandon called me yesterday morning, and we were talking about it, and he said, Mom, you're actually more of a Proverbs 31 woman than you realize. So thankfully, I have a few Bible scholars around to help me dissect everything. You see, Proverbs was written by Solomon. It's a collection of poetic works. Many Bible scholars believe that Solomon used the name King Lemuel instead of his own name for the poetry of the chapter. It means that his mother was Bathsheba. Solomon was born to David and Bathsheba after David repented of his sins, and the name Lemuel means belonging to God. He was favored of God. He was next in line to be king after David, and his mother wanted to provide him advice for finding a helpmate who would best support him as king. The advice she gives him at first was to control himself. Don't drink too much, keep your mouth shut, don't say too much, but then find a virtuous woman, not a lazy woman who wouldn't support him, but actually the Proverbs 31 woman she talked about was an entrepreneur who was quite possibly the bread earner of the family. She was possibly a ship merchant, bringing her food from afar, as it says. She sold textiles, using wool and flax, working with her hands. She even made enough profit that in verse 16, she bought a field and turned it into a vineyard. And I don't know if you've studied viticulture very much, but you have to terrace the land, you have to prepare the land, you have to have it landscaped, even before caring for the plants. Her husband was a gatekeeper. He served at the city as an elder of the gate. In some ways, an elder at the city gate in this time would have been similar to a volunteer mayor or pastor in a small town today. He would make laws, judge cases, and sentence the guilty. But King Lemuel's mother was trying to give him the best advice of the importance of finding the right woman to do good and not evil all the days of his life. He needed to listen to the advice of his mother. I'm not a queen, even though I like to feel like I am one in my own castle most days. <laughs> but in case you didn't know about my story as I stand here today, I am the middle child, the abused middle child of three girls. <laughs> there are 10 years between the oldest and the youngest, and my family's ages all end in the same number. My dad's 85, my mom's 75, and for the sake of my relationship with my sisters, I will not tell you their ages. Believe it or not, I was an extremely shy person growing up, a very shy child. I wouldn't speak to anyone, and it's something that I had to really work and overcome in my adult life. My sisters say that my mother overcompensated for that. <laughs> my mom did work outside of our home part-time to help our finances, and I think it was to escape us as well. She needed that break, Sister Morgan. <laughs> I had wonderful babysitters, though, that again helped make me who I am. 
My mom was a strong role model in our lives of all of her three daughters, and she often had advice for us that we should pay attention to. So when I asked my sisters via text Friday, help me out here, what are some things, and my mom was on there, help me out, what are some things that we should have listened to? My older sister was very quick to text back with a list of them. (laughs) Just a few, pretty is as pretty does, to try to help us control our spirit. Just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you should. And our favorite, which is probably the reason I try to stay calm through a lot of situations, nobody's dead, nobody's dying, and no one is in the hospital, when we thought a situation was just so drastic. My mom shared with me one last night that she learned actually from her grandmother, and it's biblical, you reap what you sow. Things I remember my mom saying, when I was about five years old, and my older sister Angie and I, had taken the swings off our swing set in the backyard, just had two swings, that metal with the metal pole across the top. We were told after dinner to go back and put the swings back up because we'd left them down. So once we were out there, the older sister says to me, it's okay, go across one more time because we used it like a gymnastic bar to go across the middle. I didn't resist and Angie says it's because I couldn't say no to a dare. So I did it or at least I attempted. I made it halfway across that bar when I fell on the ground, Angie went screaming in the house, and I made a trip to the emergency room for a broken arm. Mom, nobody was in the hospital, but somebody sure had to go. I also remember, you're going to get it when your dad gets home. Like, how many of you moms did that? Why torture your kid? That was worse than the punishment itself. And I think it's just because my mom wasn't strong enough to do that to us, but she knew dad would. (laughs) Music was also an important part of our lives. My parents actually met at a church singing on Mother's Day. I think my dad said 58 years ago today. So my mom would tell us to practice piano. And I can't say I really practiced or even practiced what I was supposed to, but yet she faithfully took us every single week, 30 minutes from home, and waited for an hour while we took piano lessons. Whether we practiced or not, she didn't care, we were going. While there, we tried to fake our way through that we had practiced. I don't think the piano teacher always bought it. I started at five to six years old and took lessons until I was 19. Good thing for my mom, by the end of it, she didn't have to take me and she didn't have to wait on me. I believe my strong will comes from my mother, although she says it comes from my dad. Eric has even said that I am the president of the He Woman Man Haters Club. And (laughs) you have to be old enough to know who the little rascals are to even understand that. However, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make Silas cry with that. (laughs) However, I did marry Eric, so that's not completely true. And after four years of marrying Eric, I know God has a sense of humor because he gave me all boys. And to add to this humor, he decided we had three eggs. He decided that was too much for one personality in one of those eggs. Let's make that one identical twins to give her four boys. Five males to one female in the house. That's not funny, God. 
it would take me days to tell you the highs and the lows and journey of raising our kids. Um, we have so many stories with Denton being told he was going to die at three days and Brandon going to die when he was five months old, 10 months of chemotherapy, 30 trips to the operating room. It just goes on and on, but it's built our faith and built who we are. So many trials, so many blessings, people who had no idea what we needed at the time and provided that for us. It's so many wonderful memories. Some days were a blur, though. When I asked the boys the things I said, they couldn't really remember any. It's probably a good thing. However, Brandon did remember one conversation that <laughs> when he came home from school and we had to explain the difference in political parties after he told us who he voted for in the kindergarten presidential election, <laughs> then he remembered that was a conversation he had with his father. Nolan says I use the phrase watch it frequently, and I still do. And Denton always seemed to be the more pessimistic one. So I would tell him, okay, Eeyore, find your tail and get rid of your cloud. <laughs> and I still have to use that one someday. I call it the Eeyore syndrome. <laughs> Eric gave them important indirect advice, telling them to listen to your mother. Advice and, little, and words are important, but our actions are just as important, if not more important. As Sister Morgan said, little eyes and ears are always watching you. And I don't care if you're a parent. If you're in this church, the, the children of this church watch and listen to you. We see young children when they begin to learn to clap their hands and worship. It's because they see their parents and they see those around them worshiping. I've watched even Silas as he started clapping his hands and worshiping. So I want to share the story of how my family came into truth through the power of not just my mom's words, but her actions provided by my sister, Angie. Angie emailed this to us yesterday. She had no idea what I was going to do. And I told her last night, I'm going to use your story. So this is in Angie's words. As children, and sometimes even as adults, we don't always realize how our mothers influence our lives. I don't really remember noticing the difference in my mom when I was 10 to 11 years old. I just knew something was different. Something that deep down I knew was spiritual. And as an 11-year-old, I just knew that whatever it was that was different about my mom, I wanted it. I started praying more. We attended the church that my dad's family had always attended. My dad grew up in this church. My mom had also been raised in the same denomination. However, her parents had one time had left the Pentecostal faith where my great-grandmother was faithful to her death. My great-grandmother actually was beaten for going to church. I started going to the altar every Sunday morning and every Sunday night, trying to find something, something different, something whatever it was that changed my mom. In the fall of 1976, I distinctly remember the Sunday morning I heard God speak to me. It sounded human. I was, again, praying at the altar, pouring out my heart to God on a Sunday morning. And thank you, Brother Rice, I think it was Wednesday night. You said these altars just aren't for repentance and for sinners. So my sister was at an altar. One of the elders of the church, a deacon, came by and said, Girl, quit. you need to quit sinning and quit coming to this altar. I just kept my head down on the altar, and I kept praying and crying. A few minutes later, I heard another voice, a voice I really didn't recognize. It said, you won't find what you're looking for here. The voice made my sister sit up and look around. There was no one around her. She knew then she had heard the voice of God. A few weeks later, the church we attended had a homecoming service. 
So it was a morning, then a dinner on the grounds, and an afternoon singing. So that night, my family, we attended our great uncle's church in Cairo, a Pentecostal church. It was only the second time Angie had ever been in a Pentecostal service. It's the first time that I ever remember being there. The first time, Angie was scared to death. I was scared to death the second time was hiding under the pew. I was more scared than she was. But she looked around and started raising her hands like they did. This time it was different. As soon as the music started, the tears started rolling, and she went to the altar, just like she had so many other times at the other church. But again, this time was different. She raised her hands during the first song, and she remembers it was when the role is called up yonder. Nothing special, traditional hymn, and she received the Holy Ghost almost immediately. She knew she had found what she was looking for. She spoke in tongues the entire service. She couldn't stop. The wonderment and peace of knowing God showed her what was missing in her life. When she found out, Mom had actually received the Holy Ghost at a women's aglow meeting in Cairo a few months before. She saw our mom was different, but she found the difference. So many things changed after that night, but she knows God used our mother to lead a child that was watching and saw a difference. Because of my mom and my sister's longing for more, I stand before you here today. It was about three years later, um, I received the Holy Ghost standing on the front row at the Illinois District Campground at nine years old, June 28, 1979. And I was baptized that Sunday on July 1st. And I do want to insert in here, yeah, here, I was petrified to be baptized because I had a fear of water. So parents, if your kids ever have a hesitancy to be baptized, just let them know they're not going to drown in the baptistry tank. <laughs> I was scared to death. So as I start to draw this, this thought to a close, I want to say that I realize Mother's Day can be a painful day for many. Many of you don't have children of your own. Your mother wasn't involved in your life. Or maybe she has even passed from this life. But I hope you have someone in your life that served in that mother role in some way, or you found some way to help someone else as a mentor in their life. There are so many people today that need to know that somebody cares. Mother's Day was actually started in the United States by Anna Jarvis in the early 20th century around 1907 in remembrance of her mother who had passed away. So it wasn't even before her mother passed. Her mother was no longer with her. By 1920s, though, Hallmark Cards and other companies realized there was profit to be gained and began to sell Mother's Day cards. Jarvis became very resentful of the commercialization of the holiday. She wanted the emphasis to be on sentiment, not on profit. In Bible times, motherhood wasn't a requirement for godly women. And just as today, not every woman who wanted children was able to have one. But the mothers and matriarchs of the Bible exhibit qualities that all of us, male or female, parent or not, should strive to emulate. Even God realized he needed a mother finding merit to fulfill his plan. We all need to listen to our mothers, and I hope as you sit here today, think back. What is something your mother told you, some advice she gave you that has impacted your life? Listen to your mother, especially if they're pretty close to God. Influence your children with your words. They'll never depart for them. This truth is for your children and your children's children and your children's children. It's for many generations. Don't forget, though, your actions and your nonverbal words, 
they're also watching those too. Never forget the importance of that advice given by your mother. If she had a relationship with God, you may be just hearing the voice of God himself. Happy Mother's Day. Love the scripture Sister Graham closed out with today. If you don't mind, I know you're, this is your day, but would you please get to the piano? <laughs> Oops. Use those music lessons. Uh, this is an industrious woman, a very busy woman, talented, and uh, I often get tickled because I'll send her my slide for, I'll tell her my text and my title. And I give her probably, she's, most of the time she's on her way to church when she's putting that together for me because I'm so last minute. And, um, but I can always trust her to, to get the job done. And they say if you want to, if you want to get a job done, to find the busiest person you know and ask them to do the job. Well, we have some very busy ladies in this church that know how to get the job done. The scripture she ended up with was the famous one we always use, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And oftentimes, I think we've taken that as a promise that our children will never walk away from God, or our children will never not serve God when it's very obvious to all of us that there are times when our children don't choose to follow the ways of the Lord and they hopefully for a short time such as I did I just strayed away for a few years and I strayed away from the relationship but I couldn't stray away from the teaching that's the important part that's what I want every mother to know and to understand is that you're teaching your children the things, the ways of God, the scriptures, all of the things that the Word of God tells us to teach our children. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Even if your child isn't sitting on a pew next to you today, even if your child doesn't serve the Lord, what you instilled in them has not been wasted. Because even though they may not serve the Lord today, what you have instilled in them as a, a mother, as a child of God, as somebody that loved them, you woke up in the middle of the night and cared for them, you fed them when they were hungry, you clothed them as my mother did sneak around behind my dad's back and buy me stuff that he knew that he, she, he wouldn't allow me to buy and that's how I got that cool leather jacket it's like mom you know he's going to see it too late then all the love and the care that you instilled into raising your children it's not wasted because even though they're older, they cannot depart from what you have put inside of them. And should the day come 
when they decide to stop running from the Lord, when should the day come when they decide that what they're looking for cannot be found in the world. I'm so grateful I, I figured that out very young, that everything I was chasing was fleeting, that I'd get something that tastes good, but it would quickly vanish. I, it would be gone, and, and I left me looking for something else. And I, I realized at a very young age that what I was looking for, the satisfaction I was trying to find, the world couldn't give me. And what you have done by instilling in your child the things of God and raising them to know who God is and can be in their life is you put a homing be beacon inside of their mind, mind, their heart, whatever you want to call it. A GPS system, so to speak. So when the moment comes when they decide, I'm headed home. Just as the prodigal son he went roaming, went everywhere. But he couldn't go anywhere on the face of the planet where when he finally decided to go home, he knew what direction home was. And that is what that scripture means to me. I'm so grateful today for a mother who prayed for me She didn't feel like praying for me. And I'm a product of the patience that God only instills into a mother. When dad said, eh, dad said, I'll take your head off your shoulders. Mom said, I'm going to pray for you. There's something about the love of a mother that is so special. Don't give up. Why don't we stand this morning as we get ready to close this service out? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.